Hey, y'all. Kia ora, Aotearoa, and welcome to Stuff to Watch. This is the podcast that takes the stress out of streaming and sorts out what to see at the cinema. I'm James Crute, and today we reach the big 1-0, episode 10. They said it would never last. Helping me celebrate are Bridget Jones. Kia ora, James. And Kylie Klein-Nixon. Kia ora, James. Kylie, tell us a little about your viewing habits. Do you watch a big TV? Oh, I'm laptop every single time, or, you know, small screen anyway. Um, my favourite thing to do is sit in my car at the beach with a coffee watching Netflix on my phone. Nice. What about you, Bridget? No, complete opposite. I am big screen. If it's not on the big screen, I don't have the ability to sit through anything. I have complete control of the television in our household. As long as we watch Jeopardy every night, everything is right in our household. Anyway, let's find some stuff to watch. First up is The Princess, a new documentary about the life and death of Princess Diana, just out in cinemas. Kylie, this was made exclusively from archival footage a la Cena, wasn't it? And it's one of the best things about the doco. Of course, the, the audio and visual edits do tell a story, and it's a pretty grim one, but there's no editorialising, there's no talking heads, it's just archival footage. And, and then what that does is it puts Diana's popularity and the effect she had on the monarchy in its social and political context, which I really like about it. And New Zealand features the 1983 tour, and she's shown talking with um, then-Prime Minister Robert Mulder and I actually remember that day because my mum took me out of school to go and see her drive into Vogel House and I remember the dress she was wearing, the blue dress. I was also living in London when she died and we were practically neighbours actually. Her cortege, the cortege of the funeral went right past my house. So it was quite a nostalgia trip to watch this footage but maybe that's my one criticism too is that I'm not really sure what the point of it all is. There are clips from the controversial 1995 Martin Bashir interview in the film and last week Prince William went global in accusing Bashir and the BBC of playing part in his mother's death asking that that interview never be seen again, and yet here it is. And I'm just not sure that my trip down Nostalgia Lane is worth that. Yeah, I think that's quite an interesting thought on that. Um, I too was uh, old enough, young enough to remember having to walk through half the streets of Dunedin in order to go and wave a terrible Union Jack that we'd made at the motorcade as they went past. Bridget, um, you were possibly a little bit younger when Diana came to visit in 83. What <laughs> <Did> you remember? <laughs> I was but a twinkle in my parents' eyes, James. Yes. But obviously I did grow up with her as a very prominent figure in all of our lives. I found the the film incredibly harrowing. To see her life played out in these clips, in the way that it's been edited together, it was obviously such an incredibly painful life and I think that's the, the the feeling that I was left with watching it. It wasn't an easy watch, it wasn't a fun watch, it wasn't a glamorised watch. Mm. It was a woman who had lived a really troubled life in obviously with a lot of privilege but under a huge spotlight and it was, I don't know, maybe a good lesson for the way we consume media and the types of media we consume and the stories that we choose to read and focus on. I, I do think that's true. I, I did like the way this was put together. I think it's a nice counterpoint to Spencer and all these snatches of her life that we've had. I mean, this was very much the idea of from, you know, royal engagement to, you know, the horrible events of the end of August 1997. 
you can see the marriage sort of breakdown, but you can also see the the seeds of problems early on in those interviews where Charles is sort of going, oh, yes, she'll work out really well as a queen. Well, I remember thinking what a very jolly and amusing and, and attractive 16-year-old she was. Another true story next, although this is very much a dramatisation of it, it's Candy on Disney+. Plus. It stars Jessica Biel as the real-life Candy Montgomery who was accused of the axe murder of her neighbour in Texas in 1980. And Bridget, there's a Kiwi star in a key role. That's right. Uh, Melanie Linsky, who, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated, very clever actresses going at the moment. She stars alongside Jessica Biel in this true crime limited series. Like you say, James, it's the true story of Candy Montgomery, who was a suburban Texas housewife, who was accused of axing her neighbour, Betty Gore, to death after sort of a love triangle got in the way. It very much pegs itself as a why done it rather than a who done it. The best thing about this whole series, though, is the energy between Bill and Linsky, particularly Linsky's ability to play sad, needy, lonely woman so well. We've seen her in Yellow Jackets. She's she's an exceptional actress, and we should be very proud to have her as one of our own. I wanted to say something to Candy. I am so touched by your generosity. At the end of the five episodes, I'd enjoyed it, but I was also sort of left a bit wanting... It wasn't overly memorable, but it was a nice way to spend a few hours, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good summation. Kylie, your thoughts? The thing I loved about it was the, the the weird retro liminal cinematography. You know, all these awkward characters being dwarfed by big beige rooms. And, you know, it just gives you the sense of the characters being totally overwhelmed by their circumstances. And it's straight out of the kind of the 1970s visual shorthand playbook. And it, that's really popular at the moment. You know, you've got Loki used it. Severance uses it to great effect. And it's here too. And it really seems it apart from something like The Thing About Pam or all those other true crime shows. And I, I really enjoyed it. I liked all the pop culture references, you know, with the family going to The Empire Strikes Back and not yeah, knowing what was, was going to happen. And I liked Jessica Biel's character, how she sort of started out as sort of this sort of motivational gun who had no cracks in her marriage. Everything was wonderful. And then slowly as it unfolded, you sort of started to see that things weren't all great. She was incredibly frustrated and she was just determined to break out in whatever means possible. That it came to what it did is just so wild and wacky. Uncoupled on Netflix stars Neil Patrick Harris as a gay man attempting to navigate the dating scene for the first time in nearly two decades after being dumped by his longtime partner. Kylie, this is from the creator of Sex in the City and Emily in Paris, right? Yeah, it is. Well, I watched three of the half-hour episodes. It's on Netflix. Brave woman. And it felt like <laughs> it felt like 25 hours of my life I'm never getting back. It is that bad. It's stagey. It's cheap-looking. It's shallow and not in the good way. And worst of all, it's kind of depressing. So Neil Patrick Harris plays Michael, a high-powered real estate agent with the seemingly perfect 17-year-long relationship with a hot older guy who he's throwing a surprise party for. And then minutes before the party kicks off, he is unceremoniously dumped. The tension in your shoulders is off the charts. What's going on? I took my clothes and some things and I moved out. And now Michael has to try and build his life again. And so you'd think that the folks who brought you Sex in the City and Emily in Paris could do something really cool with this, really explore what it's like to be an older gay man 
trying to find love and companionship in the Big Apple, but they just don't. It's just a mound of fetid cliches heaped on a pile of tired tropes and left to fester in the Hollywood sun for too long. It's supposed to be a a gay rom-com, but it's devoid of both rom and com. Look, it really felt almost like if Melrose Place had a gay character that they just sort of wanted to try and shoehorn in, or or even Beverly Hills 90210. It's that far back in terms of its attitudes and ideas. Just file under disappointing. Let's move on. Now, out today on Prime Video is Ron Howard's dramatisation of the real-life rescue of a junior football team from a cave in Thailand. Bridget, I think we probably all watched the news footage from 2018 or the brilliant The Rescue on uh, Disney and thought this was only a matter of time before someone got this story and did a big kind of Hollywood sort of dramatisation of it. Yeah, when you look at it on paper, it sounds like a fantasy blockbuster, doesn't it? Twelve young footballers and their coach go and visit a cave system and then become trapped. And they stay trapped for 18 days before someone goes in, sedates them, swims them all out while they're unconscious, and everyone survives. It does not sound like it could happen, and yet we all know it is a true story. This film, it focuses less on the young boys and more on the rescue mission, perhaps unsurprisingly, but particularly it focuses on the two English cave divers who ended up spearheading the rescue. They're played by Colin Farrell and Viggo Mortensen. How many of you? Thirteen. Thirteen! They're all alive. It's interesting that we talked about Apollo 13 last week. That is, like I said then, one of my favourite Ron Howard films. And there's no denying that he is excellent at that biographical, edge-of-your-seat, tension sort of film. And at the helm of 13 Days, things aren't too different. Tension is basically the main character, which I always think is an interesting thing when you know how the story's going to end and yet you're still gripped. But it's also kind of the downfall for the movie for me. You don't get to know any of the characters involved. But the real problem for me is that at two and a half hours long, this film is probably 30 minutes over time. Having watched The Rescue, which is a brilliant kind of touching the void style mix of a few recreations with interviews with the, particularly the two British blokes themselves, I was impressed with how much Howard had put into this and and how authentic it feels. But yeah, you know, he's always on a bit of a hiding to nothing, given that that film came out last year and did so well and was so brilliantly put together. But I now see that Netflix is doing an entire series, uh, more from the Thai perspective, which should be fascinating because I thought one of the downfalls of this was it spent the first half hour doing a nice kind of setup in terms of the team, in terms of the officials, in terms of the Navy sort of trying to work out how they were going to do it before they introduced Mortensen and uh, Farrell's characters. And then they just kind of dropped them and and you sort of left there a couple of loose ends almost with it. But, you know, if, if you do like a gripping, true inspirational tale, then this is um, absolutely fabulous, it has to be said. So now it's time for our classic cut, which is Panic Room, uh, which has just come to TVNZ+. Plus. You can also find it on Netflix. Um, but this is one of my favourite David Fincher films. It's one of the most tense films of the noughties. It's home alone for adults in a lot of ways. Take what you want and get out of my house! It's Jodie Foster at her finest. It's a brilliant performance from the young Kristen Stewart. It's a fabulous trio of home invaders in Forrest Whitaker, Jared Leto and Dwight Yoakam. But it's a masterclass in kind of that Hitchcock tension and Fincher using some brilliant camera work 
and the architecture of one house to create a thriller that keeps you on the edge of your seat from the first to the last frames. Can I just say more Jodie Foster on screen? I know she's doing other things now, but God, she's good. True Detective Season 4, Bridget. So let's remind you of what we talked about today. I watched The Princess, which is in cinemas. Candy on Disney+. Plus. Uncoupled, which is on Netflix. 13 Lives on Prime Video. And my classic cut, which is Panic Room on TVNZ Plus and Netflix. Okay, that's us done for another week. I'll be back next Friday. Remember, if you follow Stuff to Watch on Apple or Spotify, or any podcast app, actually, you'll get each new episode delivered hours ahead of its official release. It's quick and easy. So what's stopping you? You'll find all the links at stuff.co.nz slash stuff to watch. Thanks to my guests, Kylie Klein-Nixon. Cheers, guys. And Bridget Jones. See you later. And to producer extraordinaire, Chris Reed. I'm James Crute, and I've been finding you Stuff to Watch.